Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's time. We are here with my boy Justin Vin going on guys nice to, nice to be here look rumor has it you just uh you were just practicing you're at band practice you're recording a track i was recording a track i was in the studio yeah man have you told anyone what well, you told me that there is an album you'd be the first imminent. to hear uh, we're planning we're planning on making an album um it's like early stages like we, i think we just decided it's like this week that we're like let's make an album so me being an asshole for months asking you to fucking make an album nobody cared but the second Orchid gets together in a room, then they're like, all right, we need an album. That's but nobody listens goes. to me. No, I mean, no offense to you, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of how it works. I'm kidding. I'm fucking kidding. No, we, everyone's been asking us about an album and whether we're making one. And actually, the last track we released, Critically Ashamed, everyone thought that was going to be an album. I thought that was the lead-in to the album. I thought they're dropping this first and then there's more tracks. And the other tracks never came. And I became sad. Oh well, uh, there's an explanation for why we didn't. Go, we went with singles and not an album. One, most people don't pay attention to albums anymore unless you're like Kendrick Lamar or whatever. And the other thing is, we're only two, and costs of this are uh, pretty expensive. Well, it's expensive, but it's worth it. Um, and it's just get, gathering the funds to kind of put all this stuff together. I mean, I think we. I, I think the last track, critically ashamed, we dropped like five or six K on just that one track alone with all the promotion and the video along with it. So, so without the promotion, explain this. Cause this was interesting to me. I, I never clicked in my head until you told me that you're just two guys. I was like, well, what about the other instruments? Yeah. So you have to hire people for the other, tr- the other parts of the track that you need, right? Basically uh, the bass, uh, I, I play it. Uh, well, I play on the tracks for it because it's, I'm, I mean, we don't need no, uh, we don't need no Cliff Burton in, in Orchid. So I, I can, I get by with it. Uh, and the drums, yeah, we we do uh, we do hire a guy who uh, who plays the drums on on all of the orchid tracks. He's actually the the drummer for Slaves on Dope. Okay. Um, because we record with Kevin Jardine and he's in Slaves on Dope. Uh, we we give him some cash. He comes in and he knocks it out of the park every time. He just plays what we write and he'll always throw some stuff in there that it's like gets your dick real hard. So I I don't want I personally don't want to do it any other way. He's such he's such a phenomenal drummer that I don't really care to. If, if a member comes in, awesome. But they got to be able to be at that caliber almost, you know? What if the world gets back to normal? Uh-huh. And then we're talking about touring. Oh, my God. Uh, I would honestly, in the best case scenario, I'd love to fucking tour. I loved it when I did it when I was younger. It was it definitely was defined like a point in my life. It was an experience that even to like my friends who have tour don't have the same they don't have the same type of experience that I did, uh, you know, was on a bus and with some of my heroes. So I love the actual act of wake up, do whatever the fuck you want, party, play the show, hang out with everybody, drink all night, bus call, drink all night on the bus, wake up and do it again. Very much. If you've seen the dirt. Yeah, you know, yeah that, I like the dirt. Yeah, the, I love the dirt, too. Uh, it made me kind of like Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Because <laughs> I, I, I liked him in it. I thought he was phenomenal. I thought he was the best part. I thought he was the best member of, uh, to play 
Tommy Lee. I didn't even know it was him until later. I was like, Machine Gun Kelly, son of a bitch. He's so tall yeah. and he plays with such like vigor. I love it. Uh, that point in the movie where he's saying, you want to know what it's like to be on tour? At least in my experience, it was that. Okay. It was 100% that almost every day for five weeks. Yeah, there was a few towns here and there that had like nobody, but it. I would love to tour. So for Orchid, I'd love to have that. But the landscape of shit. Um, how would you tour without a full-time drummer? We'd have to... We have ideas. Yeah, okay. We have ideas. And we, we, I think I might want to keep that one a little secret for how we would be going about it because we are going to do at least a few shows. Um, how we're going to go about it is, like I said, we're, we're, we're going to keep it a secret. We're trying to keep things a little less exposed to the world Good. And, and keep it more in, inside and have it more of a surprise when it does happen. And more like the whole idea of the band is to not do what everybody else is kind of doing in almost any way. Um, we consider ourselves a rock band, but we're not. When you look at it, it yeah, there's rock, there's there's, uh, there's rock guitar, there's some 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 pounding drums, but then you start seeing like what kind of rock is it, and it's hard to define because I'm not really. I hate genres. I hate the titles of genres. I hate that we have to group all this shit together so that people can like it. Um, so to me, it's like yeah, I play rock guitar, I play metal guitar. My lead guitar playing is very precision based, but fuck. Oh, I, I just I think there's like maybe one rock band that I like that's of this era. I, I just don't like it. Only of it, I, most of it is because I don't think they. I, I think they're being really, really safe. They're trying to sound like Led Zeppelin or some other band that you heard 30, 40 years ago. That like, well, people like this. I'm I'm not trying to impress anybody. I want to write music that I really fucking want to hear. But also, if nobody likes it then I don't fucking care. <laughs> so. Well, I like it. I, I, well, I know I'm not the only one. Like, I like Critically Ashamed, I, but but I like everything. Um, I liked all the stuff you were doing before because there was I, I know you from other yeah. bands, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just excited now about this because I thought there was an album dropping with it, but I'm excited to know that you're working on something. Now, I remember I thought I was, like, a big fan of, like, Critically Ashamed and just Orchid in general, but then you guys started competing that song against other songs in the city and I guess in Canada yeah, yeah. and you started kind of dominating you started kicking people's ass like when you were put head to head because you just said about the sounds that people have when you were put head to head with other new bands and new tracks you were kind of smacking them around so it's it's not just you I mean clearly <laughs> other people like what you're doing I did with the with critically ashamed especially that was a response that I I wasn't I wasn't certain of when we were recording it uh, we wrote the, I wrote the track um, or I, I wrote the music um late last year um and i had it so different in my head the way i was writing it and i remember showing to julian julian's my singer for anyone who doesn't know um he came over and i'm like i got this riff let me show you and i play it and it was much, it was a little slower and it had like this big much bigger intro than what it, it's actually on the uh, on the track and he's like i love it i love it and the one thing that really kicked it off was um i stopped like dun 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 like that part in the song and he cleared his throat and I said, oh, my God, that's fucking genius. That really set that little fucking <clears throat> fucking changed the whole vision of the song. Uh, and he's like, you really want me to do that? I said, yes. And now I know exactly where I want to go with the track. And even still, I, while I said that, it wasn't the truth. We went to the studio. We tracked it. We had ideas about having clean and then heavy, then clean and heavy. Um, and Kevin being the phenomenal producer he is, uh, he's like, you can't fucking do that shit, man. It's not going to come the way you, it's not the way it's going to sound in your head. So I said, all right, what do you suggest? He's like, keep this, we'll, we'll, we'll keep this heavy. We'll keep this, these parts clean. But if you keep going back and forth with this shit, it's not gonna, it, you're gonna lose it. You're gonna lose the momentum. 
So I was like, okay, cool. That makes sense. We, we went back, we tweaked it a little bit. And Julian had this completely different chorus that he had sung. And at the time I was like, yeah, that's cool. And then Kevin just looked at his like, no, go home and rewrite another chorus. And I was like, He's like, I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just not feeling this one. I'm like, okay. so And that was the best thing, I guess. It was 100% the best thing because that part that you have that you have now in the real chorus, the murder, murder, murder scene, that it's one was supposed American to be, dream, yeah. I don't know if Julian's going to like me if I say this, but uh, it, it, the melody was, it was very straight no, i prefer this i prefer this yeah i prefer this yeah. so uh, we were hearing i was like it doesn't sound bad it's on point but kevin's like this is this not the chorus that you guys want go back and rewrite it we went to the, we went to a bar drank a few things we're throwing back melodies here and there and we didn't come up with anything on the drive back home though julian calls me in the middle he's like i got it i got it and he's like i have these i have these lines and a melody and he, he says the murder scene part i'm like yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, why not? Let's give it a shot. We go into the studio and Kevin's just like, that's it. That's the fucking course I was looking for. That's what you wanted. And by the end of it, by the end of recording the track, it I was still uncertain if people were going to get it because there were so many new, like not new things. It was like rock guitar, but then we also had like this very modern pop type of interlude between the, the pre- um, the pre-chorus and the chorus. It's an interesting yeah. sound. It's yeah. The lengths blend, yeah. Um, and right up until the last guitar track, the last guitar lead that I did, I was uncertain. Uh, I was like, I don't know if I don't know if it's going to click the way that I wanted to. I liked the song, but I didn't know if it was really going to do what I felt it was supposed to do. And then Kevin's like, you have this, yeah, I have this thing on my guitar that holds the sustain for a long time, and I absolutely adore it, and something that I wanted to incorporate in my, in my sound. He's like, do something with that. And that's where you get the the intro where the, I'm holding that note for the entire time and then I'm doing the uh, these really high-pitched type of guitar notes in the, the verses that came out. And it for me, it blended everything together. I was like, this is the track that I've been waiting to write. That's the one I, I wanted. Um, and it, it was just from conception to what we actually got, it changed so drastically. Um, and that had to do with the fact that I wasn't. We weren't looking at it to impress anybody. We were looking at it to like as a song. Let me make a song that I want to listen yeah, to. Yeah, and and you know if it doesn't click, having a good producer telling you that this isn't working, go back and rewrite it. That I think is the most one of the most important things to have in a, in a solid producer because a guy just sitting there and recording is like, all right, that's what you want. Uh, I'm not going to say anything again about it. Doesn't really help you grow as an artist. You need that. Someone from the outside to tell you like this is shit. Like, oh, yeah. you're better than this. Like, smack you a little bit. You, know? yeah, you need that. <laughs> you do. You, you need uh, that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know that firsthand. Oh yeah, that's yeah. what I do to him. That's is what that, he does oh, to he's, me. He's, 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 he's my reality check. Oh my god, yeah. everything I do it normally comes in the form of fists. <laughs> oh, I, I, love I pull it. a Chris Brown on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But dude, okay, so this sound that you have now yeah. is it gonna does that permeate through the whole album are you trying to have that kind of pop rock mix sound so that's what oh, it's yeah. gonna sound that's good that's good yeah. i think it's it's good because you could break into mainstream more with that sound. that's uh yeah that's where i kind of want to go uh, i'm you know i'm I'm, I, I'm not like 18 19 anymore and i i really do want to i really do think i have something to say musically and you have something uh to sell yeah i, I think that this is a product that people would want to consume buy pay for you know like i i, I think there's, there's success at the end of this uh, i i think yeah. so too but i've always felt like that i always thought that what i was doing was just like i just need the right person to hear and then it'll it'll take off but lo looking back on retrospect on what the stuff that i did before it was never going to take off it wasn't something i i was we're really just trying to impress other musicians and i got that i got that validation but 
other musicians aren't normal fucking listening public who don't understand that what I did was clever or difficult in any way. Are you talking uh, about like, because you were in uh, Rusted also, that was yeah. another... Like, well, Rusted, I didn't, re I didn't really write anything with them, but Snakeskin, uh, a lot of... Snakeskin and Whiskey, I remember. Yeah, yeah Snakeskin, yeah. like 70, 80% of the music, like the actual music was written by me. Uh, and I was 100% trying to like write something that I thought other people would be like, oh, that's so fucking sick. That's a great riff or that solo, that lead right there that he did was, it was so clever. But looking on it now is like nobody, nobody who doesn't play guitar is going to get that that was clever or not. It's, it has nothing to do with what the technique that you're using. It has to do with, does it fucking click? Um, so sometimes like taking a step back and not looking at it in the technical way was, I think a big fucking help and I needed to grow to, to be able to see that. But now I, I do think, uh, because I like a wide range of music, I don't just want to be a rock band. I really, I really don't, like I said, genres are horseshit. You're just me. a band. You guys are going to make music. Band, yeah. And I, I want to take every influence. Like I'm a huge fan of the Backstreet Boys. I want to have that in there. I'm a big fan of fucking Prince and. Bruno Mars and The Weeknd, I like those sounds. I don't, and I really think that rock bands have lost their way in trying to stay in, well, this is a rock band. This is the genre of rock. Here's what you have to do to keep it a rock band. You guys are just musicians. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. I'm a musician. I'm not a fucking, I'm not a rock guitarist. I'm a, I'm a, just a guitarist and I want to, I, I want to push, if anything, push rock forward and evolve it so that it's not the same fucking nirvana astounding uh allman brothers type of thing well like those are those are great bands but it's been done let's see what else we can do like the the best bands did something different even if they sounded different they did something that like oh that's fuck it's, it's a timeless track you know that yeah paradise city doesn't sound like any other song ever right yeah that's a good fucking where did you meet julian oh man uh that's a good story um so while I was playing with Rusted. Because the reason why I ask is because as far as I know, like from, from uh, Snake Team Whiskey, Rusted, he, like I didn't know him. Like he yeah. wasn't in that. Uh, he was, he's, he's younger than I am, like by, by five or six years. Uh, but so he's like your age beside him. Yeah, just, just like you, man. Yeah. My age. You guys yeah. will get, go on famously. Yeah. Go on famously. Yeah. I think so. How come? I don't he's a nice guy. You're a piece of shit. He's willing to <laughs> accept yeah, a lot. Yang, you know, <laughs> you laugh a lot, so it's all good. Um, no, uh, I was playing with Rusted, and we were at uh, Catacombs, and I, uh, I'll never forget this. I was hanging out with the guys from Rusted in, uh, in the singer Tony's kitchen uh, with the, um, with Mark and Tom from Rusted and, and Dan, and we were just sitting at the table having a few drinks, and we were talking about the show that was coming up, like the weekend, uh, uh, like the specific one at Catacombs, and they were telling me about the show that was going on. Nick Guerin was putting it on and who the bands were playing. And he's like, oh man, you have to hear this band. This band, you ha you have to absolutely hear them. I'm like, okay, are they good? And they all looked at me like, no, they suck. And I'm like, okay, and then why I check them out? Like, because they're really fun to watch. Sometimes the shit, yeah, sometimes the train wreck is fun. Yeah, yeah, it's like they're really fun to watch. You can see the, all the heart that they have. I was like, okay, what's the name of this band? He's like, this band is called Blood Rush. I'm like, okay, sure. Wait the week out, and they're, I remember I was at Catacombs, I was talking to somebody, and Tony's like, they're bound, they're coming on, come see this band. So I go, and I see this young, very young band, maybe 18, 17, 18, something like that, playing at Catacombs, opening up, and they were a last-minute addition, and they, they pulled it off. And 
I was watching them and I'm like, okay, they're young. You know, they, they still got to grow a little bit. So I told Tony, I'm like, they don't suck. I just feel that they need a little bit more experience. He's like, I know they were much better tonight is what he responded. So they are getting better. They yeah. were getting better. Yeah. But Blood Rush was Julian's band. Uh, he was a singer for that band. Um, and I was, because we were in Russet and I already had kind of built my name in the scene. I, I, I was kind of, everyone, everyone kind of knew who I was already. Uh, and I was by the, the merch table just hanging out and Julian came up to me. He's like, hey man, aren't you, aren't you Justin Vin? I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? He's like, oh, dude, I fucking, I, he told me this whole, I can't remember verbatim exactly what he said, but he was telling me about the time he saw me when he was like 14, 15 at this underground show we did early on in Snakeskin Whiskey's days with another band called Monroe. Oh, and yeah. this was like maybe five or six months after I was kicked out of Snakeskin. So he had come up to me and was like, fuck that other guy. You're <laughs> fucking awesome. That band's not the same without you. And I was like, cool, man. That's awesome. Nice to meet you. Uh, like six or seven months went by and I decided like Rusted kind of got their guitars back because I wasn't an official member. I was helping them out. And I kind of wanted to start putting music together again. And I just posted like I'm. I don't want to have, like, kind of what the idea of Orchid is. No fucking genres, like, take your influences, let's make something new. And he responded to it. And I was like, wait a minute, aren't you in Blood Rush? He's like, who the, who the fuck is this? Like, because he didn't tell anybody. I was like, dude, this is Justin. I saw you in Blood Rush. And he had he had left Blood Rush. He had, he had ended it uh, because the other guys just kind of grew out of it. And we stayed friends. Uh, we tried putting a few things here and there together over the years, but it didn't. it never worked out just because we never could find members. Um, but we stayed friends. I you never could find members that you liked for the band or just, just in find, general? In general, no, there was in this city, a lack really? of bassists and drummers. And every time I tell people this, they're like, how can there be a lack of those two? I'm like, there just is. Either they just don't fucking get it and they don't respond or they're, they want to play metal. Oh, right. Uh, right? The, that's kind of where I see a lot of it. And I, if I'm mistaken, you know what? Fucking come hit me up. Show me that shit. You, you looking for a band? Hit me up. My brother uh, knows how to play the bass very well. Apparently. The guy that was that was caught by the old Muslim guys masturbating in the yes. window. Oh. But he's a very good bassist, though. Oh, that's what it looked like that night. <laughs> so he is, he, is he a plucker? Does he pluck that shit? What do you mean? Fuck that bass. I, I look, I don't know the terms. <laughs> I don't know the terms, but he jerks off. <laughs> How old's your brother, man? If you tell me 40. 20, no, no, 22. Oh, oh fucking young, A. Yeah. yeah. Yo, he, learned, uh, he learned in high school and he enjoys playing. And like just the other day, where like uh, two weeks ago when I was over at my, my mom's place, he's like, fuck, I got to start practicing again because he enjoys playing the bass. Well, if he's if he wants to be in like a, a, a serious you know group, fuck yeah. I'm down. To, I'd love to meet him. But I don't. I don't know how good he is though. Like I, I, I like musically, Honestly, my ear is. Shit. For me personally, you can fucking you, you'll get better with practice. So yeah. long as you're like you're serious you want and ready to, to go. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk to him. Oh, hit me up, man. I'm totally. Down. Uh, I don't know. He he loves. Uh, he also had the piano. It, oh, okay. Yeah, very he loved. Cool, uh, cool. But I took it from him so I could practice. Did you? I, did you learn? No. No. <laughs> so he just fucked your brother. Yeah, up he's, he's, he's a goddamn bear on a tricycle. <laughs> It's fun to watch, but it's not doing anything. I have tried to learn. It's very difficult, though. Well, that's what learning is. Musically. Yeah, music is difficult, yeah. but it's good for your brain. For me, it's difficult. Why? No, no, it, in general, that? it's difficult. It's not just for you. Oh. In general, it's a, that's why well, you think he just grabbed, he, he no, no, grabbed no, the no, guitar. It's like, this is easy. No, but I feel like some people are more prone to be better at something. No, than some people are more prone to put in the effort in something that they like that they're not good at yet, and then they become masters of it. But it's all... Comedy, snap, podcasting—it's all hours. He was with me. He podcasted with me in the basement. I did, I did the four H podcast. Yeah, the four in basement in a basement, dude. 
no mics, like a shitty mic, obviously. People talking over each other, not knowing what we're doing. Um, it's true, man. That was wild. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love those podcasts. But think about that. Like, just like music. Think about, you know, a start from there and then here. Uh, you have to put in the work, the effort. and uh, even if, you're, if you're dedicated to it, you will get good. Yeah. If you just love doing it, you, you will get good. And while you said I didn't just pick it up and say this was easy, I did. I don't know if you saw the Elton John movie, the bio uh, for him. The Rocket Man. Yeah. I didn't watch it. No, is it good? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Some people didn't like it. I loved it. There's a part in the movie where he sits down for the first time at the piano and he plays He plays something. Not Not great. It was one finger, but I was like, hey, I did that. Not with a piano, but with a guitar. The first time I picked up a guitar for real. You were musical already. I guess so, yeah. I guess I kind of had it inside me. I had, I loved music. I had rhythm for it. But I was terrible with anything sport-wise. Like, anything athletic, I'm just the worst fucking shit at. I can only really headbang and run around. I can't do... I can't play basketball. I was terrible at soccer. Fucking... I can't ice skate. I can swim, but that's about it. Uh, anything that requires... Any at form of athletics, I'm, I'm terrible at, except for playing live and, and putting on shows. I, I'm more theatrical than that. But I was at my grandmother's house. The guitar was in the corner, a little small guitar. My dad always had guitars at home, too. And I was bored. I was like 12, and my cousins were much younger than I was at the time. So it was really just was no cell phone, nothing for me to do. And I saw the guitar. I picked it up. And then I off-branded, fucking learned how to play Stand By Me. Uh, just I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but I... And I'm like, this sounds like that song. And I went to show my dad. I'm like, this is, what does it sound like? And he's like, oh, it sounds that st like Stand By Me. And so I was like, oh, my God, this this is something that I'm not bad at. I could create I something could, with I this. I could do something mm. with that, right? I, didn't, I, I wasn't trying to get my balance. It's like, yeah, I wasn't doing it properly. But it was something that I, I it just it felt right. And I didn't really have anything else like that. And that's where kind of that love came from. It did take a lot of effort to get to a, like the level that I am now, but oh, I didn't yeah. see it as like practice. I didn't. I never saw it as like a chore. It was always I played when I wanted to play, and anything that I thought was really interesting, I tried to learn, no matter what difficulty it was. Um, it might have taken me longer, sometimes years, to get down pat, but um, I, I do think that that was why I, I my skill was built up so quickly over time. Not because I was born for it, but I just hadn't. I never saw it as I have to get better or I'm going to, I'm, I have to practice. It was, I, I want to learn yeah. this. I want to learn this and fucking impress myself and impress other people. And it never, it never it was never difficult at that point. Cause I always had a goal. It was never something to get through. It was just, Oh, I made a mistake. Let me record, see where I was going wrong. And then I would practice what I, the practice, the technique, not the, what I was fucking up at. Um, so, Going back to that, if you don't have that passion to uh, to want to learn something like musical, then you're not. I, mm. You could you could get very very good. There are plenty of people who uh, who were forced to play piano as a child or violin who are phenomenal. Mostly Asians. Yeah, but you you'd have to be forced into it. <laughs> so, yeah. but you should give your piano back to your brother, man. That's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has been asking for it. I'm like, no, no, I want to learn. <laughs> I even called up my uh, my cousin. I'm like, oh, you gotta show me the basics. I go to her. She's like, yeah, sure, I don't mind. The <laughs> basics. Did the she basics. show you? Uh, no, I was supposed to call her today. Actually, I forgot. <laughs> Trying to start a one-man band. I'd love to see this. Just him with a harmonica. Yeah. And the, the big drum on the back. Yo, I've seen, you know what I see, you know who I saw live, and it was the first time I ever saw them was live. You ever heard of the band Rain Wolf? I think in passing, yes. Never actually heard what they did. Though. Okay, all usually pretty good. I like. It. I think it's good. Um, but when I saw him, they were opening up for 
I want to say Black Sabbath here in Montreal a few years ago. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Fucking A. So, and, and I don't know. I was just shocked. Like, who is this band? I never heard of them. And the guy, the singer, was at one point playing the drums. And, the, like, he was doing multiple things. And I was like, this is this is fantastic. I haven't seen. The only time I ever saw that was the, the singer of Godsmack at one point uh, had taken uh, uh, the drums over. And he okay. was doing a crazy solo uh, in concert. He opened for Metallica. This was, like, in the 2000s. But I hadn't seen that, and I was like, oh, I like this band, Rainwolf. And then I started to follow them a bit, and they started releasing some tracks on Spotify, and I really like that. Uh, it reminds me of you guys, just okay, the, the yeah. sense of uh, we're not going a traditional route, but we're going our route. We're happy with it. We do quality stuff, and then the people will follow. I appreciate the comment, uh, the compliment there, for sure. Um, I, it's actually that thing you're talking about where uh, one musician will go and do another play another instrument yeah. it's actually quite common in the the underground scene super cool uh, yeah i've seen it like a lot of times where it's like oh well the singer's gonna go play drums and we'll switch it out and there was this band um i don't know if you ever heard of this band called killer dwarfs and they were big in the 80s oh uh, that's an amazing name yeah, killer dwarfs from canada uh the drummer of that band he had started a band called automan.ca don't ask why the name is automan.ca. I don't know. Uh, but they played a lot of shows in Montreal back in the early 2010s. And the drummer, he, he was a singer now. So he would always ask another opening band if they can use their kit and put two kits side by side. And we're like, okay, why? And he's like, because we're going to do a drum off. The singer would do, a, uh, would do a battle with his own drummer during the That's show. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that showmanship. I believe if you're doing live, uh, it's just like stand-up, right? Instead of just sitting there, you're moving around. No, you have to. You have to have a presence. I believe, the pre especially for bands, I like it when there's a theatrics to it. I love theatrics. I've always been into the theatrics. That's why Motley Crue was such a big thing for me. That whole theatrical, you know, idea of playing music. And it's not just about writing good music. It's also about, you know, making it, making the song come to life through your own fucking body. Like we're putting your, their music was all about the self-destruction and rock and roll and all of this, like drugs, sex, all of it. And they did it on stage. You could clearly see it was fucking soaking through them that like, this is the, this is what you're supposed to do when you're playing a fucking show. And you saw the same thing with Guns N' Roses, Kiss. Kiss was definitely one of the Kiss first. Kiss is an experience. Yeah. yeah. Having, that's exactly the word, having an experience there. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in that vein. You can have a stage presence without it being you doing acrobats all over the place no no i, I don't yeah. yeah i mean exactly what you mean I, I don't mean overdo it uh just the fact that you're into it and there's some kind of thought it's not just you and a microphone there's some kind of thought to it yeah because uh, no, not everybody has to be alice cooper no exactly you don't have to have a crazy gimmick like that but just the fact that there's some kind of production value to it and it could just be even the drum off yeah that's just an extra Drum kit. That's all it is. But the whole having the singer take one of the drums, battle his own drummer, that theatric element, it, yeah, priceless. Because then people are like, I'm living something here. This is an experience. It's something different. You yeah. Something to talk about. You leave the show saying that was sick. Yeah. Actually, one of the best shows I ever had was one of the worst ones to see us play. It was with Snakeskin. Um, we did this. We did battle the bands a couple of times, and that was just more to get people to see us. There was a lot of people there. Um, the, th the second time we did it was... Like the worst fucking worst managed type of uh, promotion I've ever seen. I, like from them real. or from you guys? From them. Okay. Like we we were playing. We had a fan base. We sold a bought like a lot of fucking tickets. I think we were like, like top three again. We how many tickets we sold, and we were just treated like asses. Like for real. We, it was at oh. Club Soda. We we're walking in. There's no you can't use the backstage. There's no place to hang your gear around. Like how the fuck are we supposed to do this? I hate that shit. And it's the only, one and only time I've ever I've ever had that experience. 
and the the security was on our ass the entire fucking night. We finally get to go up on uh, to play the show, and we were already fucking amped to go because of all of this. We're playing fucking great, and then they cut us off like at the twenty minute mark. We were supposed to have half an hour, and they cut us off because they were late getting everything on. So like, no, you're only having twenty minutes. So that we all kind of just like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? The singer went to go talk to the guy, the um, the uh, the soundboard guy Jesus. on stage because there was there's two. There was one for the front of the house and then one on stage. And he's like fucking put like because he turned all of our shit off. Uh, I just went back to my amp, turned the amp up because it, it doesn't need to be mic'd. And I turned it up and I just kept playing and we didn't stop playing. We just kept going. You couldn't hear the vocals, but that got the crowd so riled up that we <laughs> were saying fuck you to these guys that... I, I I still remember for weeks after people were talking about that show. I remember people on, telling me that they heard people on the Metro talking about this band that didn't take no for a fucking answer and just kept playing, gave them the finger, and it was like, we're not going to take that shit. And it was, we didn't, we t definitely didn't win, but I, we got that crowd that night. So it, Those are the experience. Yeah. And that shit it wasn't taped, I'm guessing, from these guys? No, it wasn't taped. Yeah, quality organization. Would have taped all this stuff. We, they would have charged us like fifty bucks for the fucking video anyway. Either way, they should have they should have offered it. I, I think so, but it was just that like we we were so tight at that point, you know, like brotherhood type of thing. Where even yeah. when they were cutting us off, we said fuck no all together. Like no, we're not fucking doing this. Turn yeah. this shit up, you know. Yeah, we had a goddamn we had a goddamn agreement. Yeah, we got a half hour up here. Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna kick us off and then do what? Like, we're gonna get off in ten minutes. Fuck you. And then we got off and we left. And what were they gonna do anyway? So. Mm. It was, a, it was, like I said, one of the best, one of the best, like, crowd experiences to see this, like, live band, like, oh, my God, these are rock stars. So do you have, because I know in comedy, like, I have a lot of stories about just shitty bookers and venues. Some people that they're comedy bookers, they're yeah, comedy yeah, venues yeah. sometimes, but they're not really. They just want to have a comedy night. I'm assuming, and actually, I'm pretty sure, bands is the same thing. You have places that invite you, you're going to go somewhere where they call themselves either a venue for music or it's a producer who's trying to produce a music show. You get there and you're like, this is just an asshole who basically fucked us, doesn't know what he's doing and because of his incompetence or her incompetence, this show's going to be shit or you get through a situation like that. Yeah, I mean, there there, have, there are definitely people like that. Um, but when you start playing around in the, the Montreal music scene, you start seeing who the real promoters are because you, you go to the shows too. If you're in a band, you'll go see, I, I mean... I hope you're going to go see some some bands play in the show in the city if you're also a band, um, and you start seeing who the promoters are for them, and they it's kind of homogenized. You, uh, Nick Guerin is a good friend of mine, and he's one of the best promoters in the city uh, for for heavy metal music, rock, heavy metal, and he'll bring bands into the to the city. But a bunch of the other uh, a few years ago, there was there was this thing on Facebook where this band uh, didn't get paid for a show where they only sold three tickets and they only made like 12 bucks or something, but the the promoter didn't make any money from the show. So he couldn't necessarily pay them out. And there was, this, and they only it, sold three tickets. They only sold three. Did tickets. anybody promote that show? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. The thing with the promotion in the city is a lot of it is if, if you have a good promoter, he will promote it. If you don't have a good promoter, your bands you are promote. left up to do, like sell to your fan base, bring them over, and then you'll play to the other guys, uh, the other bands' fans as well. Well, did these guys not promote at all? I think so. I, I think that's what it, what the case that was. Like. Um, I don't know the exact story, but in any case, it caused a big fucking ruckus. Like, kind of, it was a Facebook ruckus. Don't get me wrong, but the the guys in that band, one of the guys was so adamant about like, no, you should have fucking paid us for this. 
Um, he put on his own show. And it, I think from what I heard, it was a wild fucking West. There was a lot of people. He did promote it very well, but it was a wild West of how to get things set up and who to deal with. And there are a bunch of those. I honest, honestly, the worst experience I, I had with that though, was when I was on tour with a smaller type of venues where you were trying to figure out where things go. We had an, a lineup order, but there were other bands from the town playing. And in Chicago, I'll never forget this. The promoter put his band after, like before, after my band while we were on the uh, tour package because he was in a, he was a promoter in a band so like, oh so even though it, it was basically you were on the tour package it was your band should have been there yeah exactly he just wanted like well i'm gonna play next to the two biggest bands yeah. so you're just gonna open it, they made you open for his band yeah, even though it should have been the other way around exactly oh, that's fucked up and they gave other time to some of the other bands uh before who were playing before us and we were just being treated like shit that I've had more of those experiences than more the um, inexperienced promoter not doing uh, not doing what he's told or not knowing what he's doing. A lot of it is you could tell because nobody came to the fucking show, um, which is compounded now more because from what I'm seeing, not a lot of people are going to shows anyway. Yeah, they're not allowed. <laughs> but, well, now, yeah, but well, you guys, because um, of COVID, I mean, COVID is forcing everyone to go online. Mm -hmm. But you guys were going digital even before that. You guys are doubling down on streaming, right? Yeah. Um, for a couple of reasons. Um, I've already gone through that whole label. I was never on a label. I never got to that point. But I have played in bands who have been on labels, and I I've heard the, the you know the war stories and nightmares. That's that what I've heard to yeah. deal with too. Um, and when you don't have a label, you get you're forced to kind of. You, if you want to do it properly, you got to spend all this money, and just to get like CDs printed, you gotta you gotta um, think about like just the duplication of it. For to make it worth it, you're gonna want to get it at a dollar seventy a CD. Uh, that's uh, to get it at a dollar seventy, you have to print a thousand copies. That's seventeen hundred bucks just on fucking CDs, and it's not just printing the cd now you got to put the booklet and you know you have to pay someone to create the booklet for you uh you got to get the cd like actual thing covered if you want it to look professional yeah so right there you're talking about 2500 bucks to get just the thing onto a cd which nobody listens to anymore um uh, then you have to you have to write well you're gonna have that an album worth of songs and, and you gotta pay to actually record the album you gotta pay to record the album and uh, yeah a lot of Master people are it. doing it at home and uh, but i'm not i'm not proficient at doing that and i prefer to go to a guy who knows what he's fucking doing go to a, 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 a specialist a professional a professional man uh and that can range depending on who you go to and especially if you're paying per hour anywhere between for a 10 song album you're talking about maybe seven seven to ten thousand dollars that's that's no chump change especially if you're, you're just two people yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have crazy. to get it mastered master is going to be about uh, about a hundred bucks a song so a thousand dollars and if some bands forgo mastering uh, with a professional. I don't. Yeah, why would you? Like at this point, because a lot of people will uh, will you can do digital mastering, but to have it really mastered for radio, you're gonna want a guy who knows what he's doing with it. So I, I I'll do that. So all all said and done, you're spending, you know, with promotion maybe about between anywhere between twelve to fifteen thousand uh, dollars for the real fucking thing. Because if you just do all of this and don't get a, a a PR agency to do it. You're basically doing it for nothing. Yeah, because no one's going to know. know about it. Yeah. Your people, your friends on Facebook will know about it. And at what point? At that point, what's the what's the fucking point? Yeah, there's diminishing returns on that. Yeah. Yeah. So about twelve to fifteen thousand dollars for a, a full album, um, and we just don't have that 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 cash. And nobody's buying CDs anyway. Uh, why? I, I don't. I didn't see the point of doing it. And 
from the landscape of music today, it's all singles. People release albums and then they're here and gone. Uh, here today, gone tomorrow. Nobody listens through the whole fucking thing anyway. The attention spans are so wildly like we're, we're super short now. Yeah, yeah, basically, what I'm asking someone to do is I'm asking for five minutes of their time. That is a lot of time You're right. when you know you can listen to something else that you will enjoy, like a podcast or a, a different artist that you already know. I'm not, I'm asking them to do it for free. Asking them for money to do that is almost impossible now. I have to have a real reason. Or not a real reason, but I have to have something that they're already gravitating towards. My friends will do that. A stranger? Fuck, Very different. I can give away albums on the street and they won't take them. Yeah. Um, so we started to do it with singles. It's small. You can build it up uh, over time. You know, you listen to it once. Hey, I kind of like this. I I want to... It's easy to say one song versus a half hour worth of music. Uh, so we decided to do it like that. It was cheaper to, in cost. We can take our time with writing it and really fleshing it out. And I think it's worked, you know, okay so far. Um, but I, I do think we're at the point where we're going to need an album because it's going to start like... It's going to start getting... Po not, not passe, but... It's gonna get start getting tired, and a new single, and then a new single, and then a new single, and then a new single. It's like, what? Do I, all right, what? How, what am I really attaching myself to a group for if it's just a couple, of, a bunch of different songs? So that's why we were coming up with the idea about releasing an album and really giving everybody what we, what we hope to to have achieved, like an album worth of music that really resonates with just the people listening to it. You're gonna want to go to the next track and and just tell your friends like this album's fucking great. There's a lot of music there. That's the the idea. That's the goal. And the album is good because then again, it gives you something to tour with. Yeah, we're touring our album. It's we also, have the tracks exactly. We have we have a, a whole set worth of music. We have the first EP. We have the two songs we released last year, Immaculate and Well on the Way, and then we have Critically Shamed. So that's like together nine songs. That's enough for a, a half hour, 45 minute set. Um, but with an album, it, it has the added benefit of when I go and ask for reviews, it's much easier to get someone to review an album than just one song. Yeah. Because uh, you could have different moods and, and variations across it. So they, they will be more, more open to like, yeah, I'll review this. Um, especially if I've already released singles that have done okay like done pretty well uh well pretty well we're all for most of our songs we're over a thousand listens on spotify and i'm pretty proud i'm like proud of it it's it's a nice little thing to say like no enough people have listened to it so it's not sub 1000 yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so uh so yeah I, that's why we want to do the album I but more because it's a good it, it's it's a good song your music's good uh my biggest thing is the promotion is very difficult now because there's so much out there yeah 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 we did and just even getting an agency to respond to you is fucking it's a nightmare, a nightmare. Mm. the only one I, I got a couple but the only one who was really the best who responded and gave me what I was looking for was um, a PR agency called Indie Montreal. Really awesome to work with. They were very quick at responses. They they did what they said. They in the beginning, the one thing that they were very straight up about, which is what I was looking for actually, was to say like, just to let you know, I can't promise you or guarantee that you will get anything. We're just gonna put it out there to the people that we know are listening. And if they pick it up, they pick it up. If they don't, they don't. We can't guarantee that people will do anything for you. That's what I was looking for because if you do a PR agency search, they um, search on Google, like the first ten results are guaranteed to get on here, guaranteed to be placed here, guaranteed ten thousand listens if you, on Spotify if you do this, 
there's no guarantee with it. Yeah, how are you going to guarantee? Yeah. So a good PR agency will tell you there's no guarantees there. Either people are going to like it or they're going to think it's shit and there's nothing I can do to make them like it. But I guess what they did is if they have like radio connections or they, look, we'll go to yeah. our people. So we know like, I don't know, Battle of the Bands fucking 2020. We'll go to these guys. We'll go to wherever we know. And hopefully the people that listen, they like your stuff. Exactly. And they, so that's what they did for you. Yeah. And it, they connected us with um, CKUT Radio. So first time I ever played in Montreal radio in my career. Uh, which was really awesome. Um, and they even, even things that they didn't really have a connection for. They saw that Global News was was taking uh, submissions to for community events during the COVID, uh, well, the, the first lockdown. So they said, hey, you should submit to this. We had no idea about it. And we did. And the next day it was on TV. Like, oh, we're releasing a new track. It's called Critically Ashamed. Check us out. We would not have known that without a, like that PR agency. So, I, so they they're, good. they're good. They're they good really at what they fucking do. good, yeah. And... It was, you know, pretty well, pretty well costed. Uh, they, they're, they're not crazy expensive, and they're, they're not gonna promise you the world. So I, I, that, but that was the only one that responded. So even just getting like a PR agency was a fucking nightmare to just listen to you, uh, and you, and that's fucked. That's fucked up in my opinion because they, you need them to help you spread the word, and some of them just aren't even paying attention. They want already big names. Well, that, I know that from comedy. I know that yeah. from comedy that it's you have to build it yourself now, because most everyone doesn't want to work with you to create you or to build something. You're like, nah, I'll just go to the the sure thing. So a lot of people around me, I know, like friends of mine here in comedy, they gave mm -hmm. up, they stopped around me because it seemed like such a daunting task. You're like, I'm I'm alone. I have to climb this mountain. It's yeah, very of it's because nobody wants to help, and by nobody, I don't mean your your peers. I mean the people that have some power. They're not gonna, and it's, it's not because they're bad. They're just like guys. I've it's a lot of effort. It's there's you know? so many people in the game right yeah. now, right? And mm. it's very your experience sounds very similar to like starting a new band. It's an mm -hmm. uphill fucking battle to get anyone to pay attention to you, especially if you're a local act. And Montreal has a problem with at least in the music scene. I, I can't speak for comedy. Uh, but in the music scene, if you're local, most of the time they just don't fucking care. Oh, we I've said this before, it applies to everything artistically here. Stand up is the same thing. Same thing what yeah. what normally will happen is they will be like, ah, what is this guy doing? He's a, he's a comedian. He's a guitarist. This is fucking stupid. It's just a gimmick. It's a hobby, whatever yeah. it is. The second you make it somewhere else, in the mm -hmm. States, you're on something big, then they claim you. Like, you know, he's from Montreal, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's one of ours, which is a difference that I've noticed. But it's weird because the French scene in comedy is not like that. It's different. The French scene will want to support you and be like, this guy's ours. Yeah, Let's bring him up. Yeah. Which I don't know why they don't do that in the English scene here. But what's crazy about this place is when they claim you to come back, then you're you're good. But it's that little period in between where a lot of people just give up because they're like, shit, my own city doesn't like me. Nobody supports mm, me. It's and a real big thing. We probably lose a lot of good artists that way who just, they would have been great, but since they don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, they'll stop. Because even for me, I was like, wait, now that you saw me in the state, now I mean something to you, but before that, it was nothing? It was nothing. Like, get the fuck I out I got here. the same experience. When, uh, yeah. before, before we went on tour, we were building a name. But nobody was calling. I'm, 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 I'm telling you that. With Snakeskin, nobody was calling beforehand, but people were talking about us. I know that because of I was starting to get recognized for being in a band that was going, like, at that time was nowhere. We were just a local band. We went on tour. Five weeks later, come back home. We're getting calls from all kinds of promoters. Just like, we want to put you on. Do you have a rider? How much money do you charge? Yeah, because other people like you, so you must be good. Now we're putting Montreal. I got people telling me we were putting Montreal on the map for this style of music. I'm like... It's a fucking rock band. We were always here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I go on one tour and now suddenly we're, we're jacked up. Yes, we did go on the tour in the States and that, that does bring people 
It brings eyes on you. But it wouldn't have changed anything in Montreal. It was only going to change in the States. No, but uh, we, we're notorious for that here. And I know. I, it sucks so bad, man. Yeah. I, I, that's why when you, you, a few years ago, when you dropped the 4-H and you did your own thing, I was like so fucking impressed with how quickly it felt to me, at least, the how built how big you were building yeah well i went i said fuck it i'm gonna take a chance and just go all out because i really believed in it yeah and my god well i believe that I, here's the thing misconception i didn't believe that i was gonna make it for the record i didn't believe that any of this was gonna be successful i believe that i wanted it to i believe that there's something to it and that my dream would be to be a comedian and to do podcasting and just be happy yeah that I believed that I knew myself well enough that this is what I want, but I had no guarantees that anything was going to work out. In fact, there was many times I was like, I should quit this. Was he just along for the yeah. ride? Did you he, take him? Yeah, like, I took your job and do this with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, he, he was along for the ride from the beginning. Uh, well, the beginning. He was from the beginning of when I, I stopped the 4-H. Yeah. Because uh, he was there the day that I stopped the 4-H when I said, fuck, okay, no one's doing anything. You guys aren't showing up. Uh, I'm here sitting with my fucking dick in my hand. And no one, I'm like, we had, you know, we were supposed to meet at 4 o'clock. And like, actually, we're going to Ottawa. I remember that last mm, day. Mm. And I was like, you told me the story. Yeah, I was like, yeah. wouldn't you fucking tell me beforehand that you're not going to, we're not going to do the show? Why would you tell me two days ago that we're going to do the show and then just not show up? Yeah. So I just stopped everything, but I had bought some equipment. I said, you know what? I'll continue a bit by myself, see where this goes. And then I was thinking of quitting stand up. Because, yeah, because even though that's what I'm actually good at, oh my God. in Montreal, there was, Basically, there's a ceiling in English, at least. There's not much yeah. more I could do. So, you know, I wasn't getting just for laughs. I wasn't doing it. I was like, okay, well, there's a limit. If I don't leave, there's not much I can do here. And I was thinking about maybe I should end it. I'll do a couple more podcasts, a couple months to stand up. And we'll see by the summer, I'll make a decision. And then in February of that year, I met Mike Ward. Yeah. So I'm at a show. And that's when everything exploded because he's the one who gave me the chance with two drink minimum and going down to New York and all that. And he opened a whole new avenue for me. And then I was like, holy fuck, man, if I had given up, because in October we had stopped the 4-H mm, podcast. Mm, so if I stop, when I when I said I'm not doing this anymore, if I didn't continue by myself and I had just given up, I w those extra fucking couple of months is what it took for me to build up a bit more. And then when I met Mike, I was ready. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. I was ready to podcast. I had a studio. I had experience. Uh, stand-up. I had all those years of stand-up experience. So he's, he's like, oh, fuck, I can work with this guy. If oh, I had man. stopped... But it's so crazy to think about how close I was to stopping. I did stop. I did. Uh, I had a final show in 2015 or 2016, I believe. Because I had, I, I, Rusted had kind of gone its way. They had their guitars back. I was still friends with them and hanging out with them. But it wasn't really another band. I wasn't able to find members like I was saying with Julian. So it was. I was starting to get fucking really fed up of everything. Uh, and I was playing with this band called uh, Phoenix and Flames because their guitarist just quit. But they were from Three Rivers, man. It was fucking far That's to far, pra dude, yeah. practice with them all the week, uh, every week. And they were awesome guys, but I, uh, I I liked the music that they had. But I just didn't want to... I wasn't feeling it anymore. It wasn't this type of music that I wanted to do anymore. And I, I didn't want to change what their whole dynamic was. Uh, and they asked, I was like, well, do you want to join? We're doing this show at Club Soda. I was like, actually, man, I, I think I want to make that my last show like for good. And they're like... Wow, really? Like, yeah, it's Club Soda. It's a Friday night. There's no excuses. It's like the Metro is right there. Come out to this free fucking show and watch me play my last show. I was, I for years, I was like, I'm not fucking doing it again. Like, I, I got fed up of playing to three fucking people. And yeah. then, uh, I got fed up of trying to drag people out to come see me play when everyone's like, oh, yeah, I, next time you play, we're going to be there. Oh, you're amazing. Oh, I can't believe I never got to see you or whatever. Uh, I was just fed up with uh, that, that hustle. So I stopped. I played the show. A bunch of people came out. It was packed. There's a video of people chanting my name. It was all of, everything that I could ask for uh, because I, I, I was burnt. I, I was 
burnt out on the music scene and i don't think i missed anything in, the, in those few years i still kept contact with people i still i still went to shows uh, my friends bands were still playing but uh when i got the opportunity to, to, to play with julian for for orchid i he had something he wrote the the entire the first ep entirely himself and that's was like oh my god he's doing it alone that is that's what i i needed that passion i needed that dedication to like to find a way to do it even when there was a insurmountable odds to get it done and that's who i needed to, to work with and when he asked me to join i was like yeah I'll, I'll come back and i'll do it for this but i don't want to do it the same way i don't want to just do shows endlessly I, there has to be a, a reason for doing the show um and it's a, crazy to think that you almost quit too because oh, of I was, the same reasons well the la well, you said the last show but the show that i met mike at was gonna be the last show i probably would have done oh my god and i wasn't even gonna go, i was even thinking like oh, Maybe I just call and don't go. It was it was it was winter. It was shitty. Yeah. It was a night. It was um, was it NDG Verdun? What is that? Where the bike show was that area? Mm. And I was like, ah, oh, are there even gonna be people there? You know? And I was like, ah, fuck! I, I made a promise. Like I don't like when I promise something and I don't do it. Yeah. So I go, no. I told them I was gonna be there. I'm not gonna call. Like who are they gonna get last minute? Let me just go. And then I went. And I was back, and I love being with comics. So backstage, I was having a great time. I was I was choking people, and I was uh, pissing this girl off. And then Mike didn't know me. He was just watching me just attack people backstage and he's like this guy's a fucking bully and <laughs> then he saw me do my set and stuff and that's because he had a whole thing where he had basically he two drink minimum it turned into two drink minimum we came up with the name but before that he was when he was given the contract he had tried i think with two other comedians to do the podcast for compound media and from here but it didn't work yeah it goes different sensibilities they're not like new york comedians they're not like american comedians it's gonna get old fast and stuff like that and then when he saw me he's like oh fuck you have that sense of humor because i i didn't grow up watching canadian com i didn't know canadian comics all the stand-up I, I was consuming was all american okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so my voice was closer to them uh so he's like oh shit this guy has something so then he's like okay let's test it out uh do you want to try a test podcast so i was like well i have a studio <laughs> he's like you have a studio i go yeah i have a you know I, uh, well obviously it wasn't this but still it was good enough for what we were doing so we went there we took a we did a whole like practice episode we sent it into compound they said yeah we like you guys it works uh then we did a live show at the remember the live show at the bordel it was a live podcast when we didn't have a name yet and we were thinking of what to call it and one of the names was unrapeable <laughs> oh i remember this yeah because we were thinking we're like we should call it unrapeable but does that mean that other podcasts are rapeable like <laughs> i remember the, this does the mark Marin podcast is that a rape podcast like, a rape like so we had this whole we were just joking with with the because we had no name we were just joking with uh the crowd just to see how we're with the crowd and just how it works and uh i forgot when we came up with the name um just because it's you know it's a common thing in, yeah, in the clubs course. just to have a two drink minimum uh, but yeah, all dude. And then I thought about it. It was funny because when I thought it was a practical, you, you know how far I thought that this was unreal. So we were supposed to. It was I think May. We were going to New York to announce it on on Anthony Cumia's show. I thought when I was on the plane, at one point that was a practical joke, and Mike was fucking with me. Mm -hmm. the, I honestly did because he didn't show up. So I'm at the airport. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, and Mike's not there, and I'm like, all right, Mike's gonna. I'm calling. He's not picking up. I go. All right, well, I'm, you know, I'm about to, like, we're here, you know, the like, I'm here. Like, I got my ticket, like, I'm there, like, I'm about to board. And I'm like, fuck, he's not here. So I'm f trying to find him. Like, where the fuck is this guy? Like, is this a, like, is he sending me to New York to, like, is this like a practical joke? Like, stupid, he thought we were going to do a podcast. Like, what's happening? So then he finally calls me. He's like, dude, I, I got really drunk last night. I just woke up. <laughs> Go to New York without me. I'll get a, a litter flight. I'm going to meet you there. I was like, what? I've never been to New York, bro. I'm just going to a random city. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck? He's like, yeah, you'll be fine. Just go. I'll give you the address for the Airbnb, all the all details. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so then when I got there and I'm looking for a cab to go, I'm like, 
are they fucking with me? Like, because I'm the only one here. Like, I flew down to New York and I don't know anyone. You know, I was just like lost. So I felt like a like a like a baby. You know. But no, he really did get drunk and then showed up on the later flight and then met me at, at the, the Airbnb he had rented. But for me, I remember thinking, oh, this was too good to be true. Obviously, this was a joke. This guy's fucking with me. <laughs> also, I honestly thought that he just played an elaborate prank on me. Because you know what it's like when you're sitting there, you're like, all right, me and my boy, we're going to be flying. Man, you're paranoid as fuck, dude. And then no one's there. Then I get on the plane. He's not there. I'm like, okay, this is some fucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go to, just go to the city. Just go just to the go city. Just go to this Airbnb. Yeah. Just, you know, just stay there. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, I remember I had to go to a, a corner store, and that's where they had the key for the Airbnb. Like, the guy's just running his shop, and in the yeah, back, yeah, you have yeah. to put these. But I had never done that. I had never gone to an Airbnb, so I didn't know. I was like, is this, like, a legit thing? And you know how New York looks, you know, buildings in New York. Oh, yeah. Compared mm. to what I'm used to, everything looks run down and crazy. Yeah. Like, is this, like, is part of the joke of me getting raped? Like, what is, you know? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? And I, I, I but I remember when he finally showed up and then everything, you know, we were, we went on adventures and went to eat and all that stuff. But, and then calming down, I'm like, fuck man, I honestly, for one second thought this guy's fucking with me because we had done everything, all the preliminaries, all those weeks. And I was like, this might be too good to be true. He might be, this might have been a practical uh, joke. He just yeah. puts you on a new show and he's just pranking you on. Yeah. Uh, it would have been a good show. prank just to ship someone to another country. That would have been amazing. I yeah. think, you, um, I, Terrible at your expense, but hilarious. But but then I but this guy got to live some fun stuff through that because uh, yeah. so the first couple times we went to New York was just me and Mike were doing like a radio yeah. like that kind of stuff. And then one time, actually two times he's come with us. But I think yeah. the, well, the first time he came, he was working full time. So he's like, "Fuck, how do I do this?" And he finally mustered a way to get. He's like, "Well, when's your biggest day?" I was like, "Well, Friday, because Friday we're gonna do uh, promo in the morning." I think that was when we did Jim and Sam like in the morning. Then we have yeah. the our show, and then we have to drive to Long Island, do comedians the compound, do stand up. So it's a packed day. So we were there for a couple of days before. So he's like, "All right, this is what I'm gonna do." Since I work at the airport, he goes, he, he gets uh, he gets his own ticket, and it's like, "I'm gonna fly down Friday morning, and I'll be with you guys all day." And then we'll fly back the next day. Sat no, I'll, uh, and yeah, the next day you were supposed to fly yeah, back. Yeah. So he's like, we're gonna fly back the next day. So I was like, all right, you sure you can handle this? Like I can fucking handle this. But he got oh so. Oh my god. He got so tired because he was so excited. So he wasn't sleeping Thursday. He's and not just that. That I finished work at he, two in the morning. So he finished at two in the morning, and he's supposed <laughs> to fly around six seven. Yeah. Now he was also so excited. He's like, I've never been to New York City. I'm gonna go to New York City. What's gonna happen? As you an know? adult, yeah. As an adult, it, it's fucking exciting. I, yeah, I I'm with him. The first time I went, I was super psyched too. This guy flies in the morning. We tell him, we give him the address of, of uh, where we're staying. He gets a cab from the airport. Show, now he hasn't slept all night. Shows up. We're like, grab the luggage. We're leaving right now because we're never going to come back here again. We have this entire day and then we got to film and then we got to go to Long Island. So it's like, all right, he's panicking. He's grabbing our luggage. We go to uh, Rockefeller Plaza, 30. That's, uh, is that where, where the fuck is, uh, right in front of the hard, uh, Basically, where Sirius is, Sirius XM. Okay, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we're right in front there, and we're like, well, you just chill and watch our luggage, make sure it doesn't get stolen. So he's tired. He's outside now. Instead of going inside, he's just sitting outside looking at bums do bum shit. <laughs> and he's getting, we're away for hours. We're doing different shows, you know, we're just doing promo. So he's getting, you know, slowly, slowly, he's like, the excitement's wearing off, and he's getting more and more tired. Now the day is going. We're not going, there's no sleep. We have nowhere to stay. We just yeah. checked out. So he's like, don't worry, I can handle this. So we started going to eat. He's starting to doze off at restaurants. He's like this a bit. <laughs> you can see that he can't hold it. We're like, you think he's going to last? He's like, yeah, I'll last, I'll last. We get to Compound Media. <laughs> this guy passes the fuck out to the point where we're like, we're just going to leave for a couple of hours and come back. He's like, yeah, I'll just, can I just sleep on this couch here? And they're like, well, it's kind of awkward for everyone else if you just sleep on a couch. Because he fell asleep at one point and people were walking in. There was like another show and all they see is him like, 
<laughs> and like, is he okay? I'm like, yeah, he's okay. He just flew in. He's so then we go to a bar. He falls asleep at the bar. And he's like, well, what the fuck's going on? Like, well, you fell asleep, bro. Stop fucking falling asleep. Like, you, you, we're gonna kick us out. It looks like because somebody asked, somebody came and said, is he all right? Because he was just out of it. Because like, they thought maybe he was drunk. It was a bar. So this is going on now. We do the show. He's falling. Then we have to drive to do stand up. This guy hasn't fucking slept. Okay. So he barely. So I remember the end of it, like flying back when he's like. I barely remember. <laughs> like, I barely remember what happened, but I know it must have been a good time, bro. I was in New York all day. <laughs> I, was, I was in New York. He literally came for just that day. He came in the morning and left at night. But like, I was like, do you remember what happened? Not much, bro. I slept a lot, but it must have been fun, bro. I was in New York all day. Like, and all day, all he did was just follow us around and sleep at random places, sleep outside a bit. So, oh, he almost ate glass. He oh, that was a, the second time. That was the second time when he bought a slice of pizza and there was a shard yeah, yeah, yeah. of glass inside. That's a, how do these stories always happen to you, man? Yeah, he, he does it. have shitty luck. That's true. Uh, like I don't know, I'm just always down for a fucking adventure. Me too, man. But I've never. I'm usually the one like like the stories you want to have, not the ones you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like for example, it's it is an adventure. Yeah. To for Sbarro pizza to have a thick piece of broken glass in your pizza, it's a good story. Yeah. But you don't want that story. You don't want. Yeah, to have obviously. The, uh, they're not all bad. Your reaction was amazing, though. He's like, you know, when you touch him, like, bro, what the fuck? And then <laughs> you could see that he felt personally scorned. I guess. Bro, piece of what motherfucker trying to kill me? <laughs> like he thought it's an assassination attempt, and just the way he went up, he's like, hey, hey, "What's going on here?" <laughs> and that made my day that day. Mike was just like, and that was at Madison Square Garden, so it yes. was full of people. He's just full, and he's like, "Hey, you trying to kill me? Hey, bro, hey, bro!" Like, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's Dude, a, you should have your own TV show, man. <laughs> you'd be good at that. I'm down. Be but, like Chum uh, Lee from Pawn Stars. Huh? You'd be like Chum Lee from Pawn Stars. He, I think Boys he's better than Chum Lee. Oh, but definitely. He, he's more articulate. But um, no, there's not all bad stories. I've had some nice, fun adventures that, you know, I, I feel like there's a nice, like just, sometimes just shit happens. Oh, I and sometimes you. we tend to remember the shit ones more no, often. Always. Because just they, like negative reviews. Yeah, exactly. It's you very know? rare that you leave a positive review, even though you love something. But when it goes wrong, oh, you're oh, going to be yeah. willing to be like, thumbs down, fuck this podcast. Yeah, like how many times have I looked at a product on Amazon and it's like 4.5 stars, but then I'll read those five negative reviews. I'm like, fuck this. Yeah. And even though, you know what I mean? Damn. So yeah. but like, I feel like that's what we do in general in life. Like I've probably had just as many positive experiences in life going on adventures and shit. But no, no, you've had more negative. I don't you've, know. Uh, your life has been a series of I negative mean, misadventures. If I, if I may, the, the, the first time I met you, the one thing that stuck with me <laughs> about you was actually at Alex's wedding and we were all sitting at a table outside waiting for them to arrive. And you're just sitting there and you're like this. Bro, I didn't bring a card. <laughs> what? You forgot to bring a card with money. Oh, like, for the <laughs> wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's just looking at you. I remember you specifically like, you're a fucking idiot. You come to a wedding without a card? He's like, oh, man. <laughs> I didn't Cause he's like, look, and then he's like, look, I don't go to these things alone usually. I didn't know this was a thing to do. I didn't understand the etiquette. He was just like, I'm going to a wedding. All right, I'll be there. Yeah. And then you know what happened? He saw everybody giving the cards, the envelopes, and he's like, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> and then someone, me or someone told me, I would just give out the cards. And he's like, oh, you know when your life flashing yes. before your eyes? Yeah. Like you forgot oh, the shit. oven on? Oh, fuck. But I remember bringing a cigar that night to smoke. Yeah, yeah you that you remember. Yeah, that I, I think remember. you were taking things from other people. It's like, oh, you have a drink? Let me take that. You know, it was just like there for what? you almost. I yeah, think yeah, you were like yeah, you were very, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you were very, you were having a lot of the, you were having a lot of more fun than you should have, sir. It was, a, it really was I had a good time night. too that night. That was a good one. Yeah, we all had a good way. time. We all yeah. had a very good time. Yeah. I remember I, got, I was fucking hammered at some point. Everyone was hammered. I yeah. was trashed. 
Oh yeah, I was, yeah, I was finished, right yeah. to the end. I was sitting next to Don Oliveira. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his ex was there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I remember that. But one. they weren't dating at the time. No, they were broke. It was his. Oh ex. yeah, that's yeah. why it was weird. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a thing like they wanted me to sleep with her or something like that. I have no idea. I can't oh, remember. She right. wanted to sleep with probably. You probably. Yeah, yeah. 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 Don, because Don was like, you can sleep with her, but you have to, you have to say my name. Like, I don't want to oh, do that's that. That's just. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. How about I say your name? <laughs> okay, let me say Don's name. Mm, Don. No, I didn't feel it. Um, it was a fun wedding. Yeah, fun everyone fun had wedding. a good time. The bachelor yeah. party was crazy. I love that bachelor uh, party. Oh, I remember. Oh, I, I showed up. Uh, oh were you there for God. that bachelor party? I had stand up. I was there, so I showed up late. And when I showed I up, there. everyone was fucked. I remember. I was like, "What?" Like I left for three hours. Yeah, two shows. I remember seeing. Three, I came back three hours. Anything you want. They're like, this guy's drunk. This guy's on cocaine. I go, bro, three hours. I was gone for three fucking hours. Like, what happened? How did you all fall apart? In those three hours, because I was there for those three hours, it turned into a complete shit show. We went to the strip club, and that's where it went fucking crazy. And I handed my belt. The reason why. He got beat up by a stripper, yeah. yeah. But it was my belt that I handed. The reason why he got beat up so bad is because my belt had metal pieces on it. Oh, yeah. He had a big metal. He had a show off belt. I remember because the DJ there is a good friend of mine. His name's Fred, and he told me to go up on stage to beat up Alex. Me like a damn fool. I went to pull my pants off. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's do this. And he's like, what are you fucking doing, man? You're supposed to hit him. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I beat him up. But at the strip club, that's when shit went wild. But I remember when you came back because me and Don were outside with those two girls yeah. and you ran into us. And we're yeah, like, well, yeah, I remember. We're yeah, gonna, yeah, we're going to go back to... We're going to go back to his house. She thinks I'm in Motley Crue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Because I was lying. I was yes. like, yo, there's fucking two people that are making good on this night. And then everyone else fucking lost their goddamn minds. Because when I came, because at first it was Alex is like, look, it's going to be calm. Everyone's going to be all right. Nothing's going to happen. So I was like, all right, it's going to be a calm night. People are going to eat, hang out. I'll be back in three hours. Don't worry. Let me do my shows. I'll be back. Everything's going to be fine. So when I came back, it was like a different world because yeah. everyone was just eating ha 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 telling their yeah. jokes and fucking around and then I came back and they, oh this guy's already gone bro this guy almost died we already sent him home this guy what the fuck's going on and it was 10.30 I came back like at 11 or some shit yeah and I remember because I, I was starting to sober up towards the end and I was having a blast and then I sobered up and I was like oh shit <laughs> like this is not looking pretty right <laughs> yeah. now. I don't know. It was rough. It was yeah. rough. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how that bachelor party ended because yeah. like I said me, uh, me and our fr- a friend of ours Don we, we went off with these two girls. And I remember he, that because I'm the one who saw you guys. Yeah. Get, yeah. And then I thought everyone was having a good time. Turned out you guys bounced at the right yeah. time and everyone else was just a wreck. We bounced at the right time. But uh, the reason why I said like she thinks I'm Motley Crue is because Don had the brilliant idea telling her I was in Motley Crue. So I was like, ah, yeah, you're going to go with that. I was like, I can't pull this lie off, but all right, why not? I think I'll pull this off. I and then you look at her, you're like, like, I'm not 60, you know? She doesn't look smart. <laughs> <laughs> I could pull this off, guys. I could pull, I got this. I got this it. is on me. I was, it was for him. Cause I was like, I want to know part of it, but he's like, let's, let's try this. I'm like, I don't want to. And then when they're like, come home with to. us, you're like, how is this working? Well, she, um, one of them chased us out of the bar. So I was just like, all right, if you're going to chase us out, might as well go yeah. with it. So it wasn't my proudest moment, but it was just funny running into you. It I'm is like, a problem. I think that's a funny moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was fucking hilarious. I'll put it that way. But to run into you and I'm like, she thinks I'm in Molly Crew. Just, it made my just night. Go with it. <laughs> So yeah, I was like, all right, I will. It was a phenomenal. And I was I like, how was party. the concert, sir? <laughs> <laughs> how was the concert? No, it was a f- fucking great night, great wedding. And then I think that was the last time I saw you. Yeah. And then all yeah. I saw is your podcast and all these adventures, especially with hookers. Yeah. Some yeah, fucking yeah. whores. Yeah. And I just, love the whores. He lo- but now he's working on rebranding. Yes. How so? He wants to no longer be the whore guy. 
You don't yeah. you don't want to be a part of the Me Too movement. It's no. Well, he's way past that. I don't, I don't give a so. fuck about that. Uh, I've never raped anyone. <laughs> so, allegedly. First of all. What? Uh, what? I've allegedly never <laughs> raped anyone. Allegedly, you, know, so you're, you have. So. <laughs> seldom do Wait, people. I just realized that went man. the wrong way. <laughs> seldom do people just have to on podcast be like, "By the way, I have not raped anyone." No one asked, but I need you to know this. No one. Very rare. Yes, I know. I know he wants to rebrand as just like a podcast producer because he produces in the in Studio B, so yeah. he's the producer that yeah. produces people's podcasts. So he wants to rebrand as like kind of a, a an eccentric young Jamie. How yeah. Rogan has young Jamie. Okay, yeah. So he wants to be more of an eccentric version yeah. of that, which is fine because you know you got to grow, right? Yeah, like you yeah, can't yeah, always yeah, be course. like Steve Urkel. Couldn't always have been Steve Urkel. Is he asking right? you for a pay raise? Is that what the whole? Oh, thing yeah. Is? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, has nothing to do with like. Uh, I feel but like not because of the rebranding, but in general. I feel like I had my fun. You know what? I feel like sometimes, like, okay, maybe you're that. stretching it a lot. Do you know what I mean? You're stretching this whore thing out a bit too much. It feels like he well, milked it like they were milking him. Was it a joke yeah. or are you actually into the those damn whores? No, no, he was into, oh, I mean, I was he's still in. I yeah, bet. I'm still into whores. It's just now, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like, You just he, want some love in your life? No, it's more of a, I don't know. It's only so many blowjobs you can get. I don't know what it is, honestly. I, I know what it is. It's his image. He just because he told me he goes, yeah. "I don't want to be known as the whore guy." Okay. Yeah, okay. which makes a, sense. It's not sustainable long term. Yeah, that's like fair. I, fair. Yeah, you no. know, I've seen other guys be the whore guy for like a really long time. I'm like, ooh, yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, I don't want to be. I, I get yeah. you. I you want to age you know? appropriately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get it. I get it. That's fucking awesome. So, would you still be on the front of the house, or would you be behind? Behind the you know that Jamie Rogan type. Yeah, of he's gonna to he's gonna transition slowly to more behind, but he's still yeah. in front because he has his own podcast, like the Intellectuals with Guido Grasso. Mm -hmm. So he's still gonna have a lot of you know on two drink minimum. He's mm -hmm. still gonna have a lot of um, uh, he's gonna be implicated, but mm -hmm. but he's slowly transitioning. We're trying to get him to have that role, um, and he likes it. Yeah. And uh, I, it's very frustrating for me because. Uh, sometimes he's on the ball and then sometimes he just fucks up simple things. So you never know what's going to happen with him. But the more he does, the more he's going to learn, the better yeah. he's going to be as a producer. But I think it's good for him to be that guy. Yeah. He could be Montreal's big podcasting producer. You know, yeah. you could be. That could be a phenomenal thing. You just fucking Gene Simmons in this shit. Yeah. Going back, you know, different places, different podcasts, different shows. And yeah. you're just the guy people know to go to. Poseidon. Yeah, they'll count on name you. Yeah. You have the that name. name. Poseidon. Yeah. Sunglasses God, while you're editing podcasts. Uh, <laughs> dirty whore in front of you in the back. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Just not talking about it anymore. No, she's just sitting with you and like, I thought you said, I never said I stopped the horse. Oh, yeah. Never never said. Yeah. I just didn't want to talk I about it. I stopped broadcasting the horse. Yeah. <laughs> Big difference. So how's things been for you during the fucking COVID lockdown shit, man? Uh, it's, it, well, dude, it, it fucked me a lot because right when it started was right when we were starting a tour. And it was so exciting. Like I was going to different cities and, you know, English and French, like different places to do it. And everything was setting up. And then, you know, one show gets canceled. You know, remember two weeks, two yeah, weeks, two yeah. weeks. And then second show. And I was like, oh, this is fucking looking bleak. Uh, then stand-up was completely shut down. But luckily we started the podcasts. Yeah. So then I realized how lucky I was that I had this infrastructure built already. Because a lot of comedians, they had no outlet. The second stand-up was done, they were done. Their hands were, were locked. You yeah, know, they're yeah. gonna go on their cell phone, they're gonna try to send an Instagram video. After a while, people can't watch that. The quality, the sound, everything. So they're like, fuck, they were in a bad place. I was like, you know what? I'm in a better place at least. Everyone's suffering. But yeah. at least I have a way to, you know, let my creativity out. And then now it's been, you know, the whole start stop thing of should we start up again? Should we not start up again? Like I was thinking, do we start organizing tour dates again? And then they shut everything down again. And I'm like, fuck, it's affecting the wallet big time because we shut down this, these entire streams of income. But everyone's suffering. 
Yeah. So I don't feel too. I got the Patreon up, so I don't feel like I I got the short end of the stick. We're all in this together. Everyone got no, fucked you, over. You were definitely very well set up. Yeah, that. but I was already set up for it because imagine if I had no outlet. Because mm. that's the biggest thing is imagine you being locked up, but you have no guitar. No, that would have sucked. Yeah, it definitely would have sucked. You probably would have had to be on TikTok, which I absolutely love, by the way. Yeah, but I'm not <laughs> like I, I'm. I can edit. I'm good, you know, with this kind of stuff. But it's just I try TikTok. It's not for me. Yeah, yeah, it's a different type of yeah. Very quick, almost childish. Yeah, which is there's no problem yeah, with no, it. Definitely not. I mean, he loves TikTok, and you know, there's a lot of funny. I've seen fun stuff on TikTok. Mm. I'm like this is hilarious. It's just I know my strengths yeah, and weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't double down on TikTok because I'm not good at it. I'm not gonna go write a jazz album. There you go. You know, like, you know what your limits are. So that. And now I'm just trying to hold the fort up until things open up again. Hopefully we survive. And uh, then we could get back to just breaking out, stand up English, French, start the tour up again, um, get more podcasts in here. Because while we also rent for podcasts, we're also, I'm trying to start kind of like a mini network. I'm trying to produce more shows like The Intellectuals is just the first one. Okay. I want to get more people that I think would be good at podcasting together, get them together, and then they start their own show. Damn, that's a phenomenal yeah. fucking idea. I wish this was around when I had a podcast. Did you have a podcast? Yeah, Bastards Council. You were on it. Oh, that. Oh shit. Yeah. I don't know why I forgot that that was your podcast. Yeah. I thought that we were both guests. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> what happened to Bastards Council? Oh, man. Uh, a few things. Um, we're, all, we're all still best like best friends. We're they were all cool out. dudes. Yeah, yeah. We're all, we're all, we still go on vacation together. We're still chi- uh, we still talk to this day. Um, but we had the idea for to do a podcast. You know, I, I got, I had always wanted to do one because of the 4-H, right? I had a lot of fun doing it and I thought it would be gr- a good time to do it and still get be creative, try to be a little funny. I'm not the I'm not a comedian by any any set, um, any stretch of the imagination, but I do have a few good quips here and there. Well, it was a good it was a good hang. It was a good talk. Yeah. I like that show. Good dynamic. We that the, we all talk in a way that get just gravitates people towards us. We yeah. go to shows or we went on vacation. People just gravitate towards us our energy. She so thought we could do a podcast and it was going really well. We were learning on the really well it was going well um we were learning on the spot learning on the fly how to do like even this shit we we had to kind of change things around we rented a room to kind of do it our own and um but after a while it started to get um really tedious and more annoying because the number number of people weren't really listening it's Uh, fucking super hard man so hard we we were always late uh, because of the editing time. We did we didn't do a live. Any big event would only come out like the following Monday, and by that point, it's kind of already been said and done. Uh, we couldn't really figure out a way to get kind of get that done, and so we took a break. Um, and that break kind of went into the dissolution of well, we're not going to be doing podcasts anymore, just because. Well, my friends moved Armin, on. Armin, Jono, and, and Ivy are, are considerably older than I am. Uh, they're about ten years older than I am, and Armin has like three kids now. Um, and it just kind of life, life was moving on. And I kind of did feel a little bit of relief of not always having to go to a podcast or t- to record every Friday. Yeah. Would I do it again? Totally. If I had a setup like this and guests and like a whole network and I was really, really into promoting it. Sure. Uh, or if someone else was really on it and they wanted me there totally, but I don't know if I would, I'm, I, I'm really not into it was hard enough promoting music that I actually want people to listen to you know, podcasts. Just hear me fucking t- Spout shit off. I don't know. I like it, but just you talking about the work, like I, it's fucking crazy. Because obviously, I did it. That's how I'm yeah. here. I put in a lot of work. But I don't know if you would ask me to do it all over again if I would do it. Yeah, right. Like I wouldn't. You know, knowing what I know now, I don't know. But just not knowing and just tell me what the work is. Fuck. If I knew it was ahead of me, there's. It's a very hard thing to agree to. 
yeah it's there was so, so much yeah. yeah like yeah. if i was to not have any guitar instruments like oh, i'm gonna start a band now i was like i have to buy all of this shit and also there's no return for the longest time you get nothing you're wasting money you're not getting anything back no one's listening to you yeah exactly it's it's so it's such a struggle but it's and you don't there's no timetable so you don't know okay i'll do it for five years and then it'll break you could do it for a month and it'll break or you could do it for 10 years and then it'll break like you there's no metric that'll decide that for you so just telling, just thinking about me going back, would I do it all over again? I don't know if I would. It's a lot of work. I think for the format that my me and my friends would need, if we were to do any type of show, it probably shouldn't be a podcast. We're more of a lively move around type of bunch. And I think like Rockfest, four or five years ago, we were at Rockfest and my buddy Armin was holding, he had a pillow, he had two pillows. And then he just started throwing them at people and we started pillow fighting with people, random people on the street. And we were filming it and... This this video got shared like everywhere. I think I had like maybe 50,000, 60,000 views, which to me is like the biggest fucking view rate I've ever had in any video. It wasn't even my video. And it was just, that's what we need. Like uh, if we're going to do a show, it's got to be a format of a like jackass almost. Like, just you guys fucking around. around. Yeah, exactly. Instead of us talking heads and because while, yeah, while we're funny to hang out with, we're, we're not comedians and we're just talking shit. That's all we yeah. are. We're well, everyone's talking shit. shit. Yeah, what do you I think know. I'm doing? This guy, look at this guy. This guy's yeah, walking better, shit. You're better at talking walking, shit in a professional uh, manner. I'm walking and talking the shit. Yeah. How so? Explain it to me. I don't know. In extreme this, detail. This is what I Prime example is right now what I just did. Yeah, he <laughs> just says something, freezes. Yeah. They're the brain's the operation are right here. <laughs> How do you guide him? Do you place him? Do you uh, like set him up? Yeah, sometimes... I mean, he's getting better. Nice. He's good yeah. now at setting everything up. So, for example, right before you came, I said, hey, make sure the cameras are on, everything's connected, lights, uh, make sure that the curtains are drawn, all that stuff. And he went in there. I said, make sure everything's Clorox. You wipe the mics. The you know Everything's got to be clean because it's goddamn COVID season. So you're like yeah. a roadie. Yeah, he's, 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 for bands, he would be a roadie. Yeah. But he's, you know, those roadies that, you like, let's say, uh, Motley Crue, they have for, like, 15 years the head, like, Oh, you always keep without it without yeah. that good roadie, it won't be the same band because yeah. he knows where everything is. Mm. That's what I'm trying to turn him into. I want him to be that expert. Like you have to. He always calls me. What do I do? I want it slowly to turn where we would have to call him or someone who's here would be like Poseidon. I fucked up. How do I fix this? And he would so know. like you got to put your foot down and make a decision then. What do you mean? Instead of calling him to like, what do I do? You got to yeah. on the fly like I'm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm getting there. He's, get, he's getting there. He's I'm getting, getting there. there. I have a feeling a couple months. I have by the summer. If everything again, if we're, we're we survive all this economically and you know physically, um, I have a feeling that by the summer he's going to be top notch, the expert around. Be here. A well, I've noticed boy. about me when I embrace something, I learn extremely fast. Yeah, he did but that I with his, he did that with Islam. But I, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> I know evidently the piano. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I cannot be hard headed about something if I really want to learn. I've noticed that about me in general. So like the piano, I'm a bit hard headed. So I realized, like, even though, because, like, I've seen, like, I don't know why. I've seen pianists. Mm -hmm. I always found it cool. You know what I mean? The piano, the piano is cool. All, all, you know what all I mean? instruments all are cool. All instruments. But I don't have. Maybe the ukulele is not cool. The patience for music, I Can't find. Be, you know. I don't have the patience for music. Yeah, it is a whole undertaking. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, a lot, lot of learn. failure. It's a lot yeah. of failure. A lot of failure. A lot of rejection. Yeah. A lot of I hate myself. A lot of. Nights crying to yourself. That's my whole comic yeah, career. Not, it, it was literally just because you know how you're talking about the shows. Yeah, I was like, at least you're when you're doing a show in front of three people, you're with your friends, you're a band. 
when we go up and there's three people, you're alone. Yeah. So you know how rough that is. And then all your friends, the other comedians, all they're doing is waiting for you to go backstage so you, they can make fun of you together. Like uh, if, you, if you bomb them. <laughs> yeah. Which is the fun part. Like people are like, oh, how do you do that? And then, you know, aren't you embarrassed? Like, I don't know. The funniest part is after that when your friends are making fun of you. That's the best part of the night. Because before that, when you're on stage and you're bombing in front of three people and you haven't been doing it long enough so you don't know how to recover, that's the shitty part. I, I yeah. always felt... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry about that. No, no, no. All go right. Go. So I always felt for like with shows, the you could be the best ever with three to four people there. You don't know. You just fucking oh, don't no, know. You, you don't could know. Be, you can have the best joke ever. Three to four people will not even laugh. They might be like, ha But it's the really that crowd energy that helps mm. build everyone else up. So that joke might have bombed with three people, but with 300, it's fucking kill them all that's how you when you have a good crowd that's the time obviously oh you should use your killer jokes which is good you want them to be happy but that's a good time to also slip in something that you're you haven't practiced enough but you're confident in just to see because if you see that within a group like that that they already like you you've dropped a lot of bombs and they didn't like that joke then that's the best metric you know that joke doesn't work you got to work on it because i've seen people and i've done it myself where i'll go to a shitty open mic like there's three four people there and i'll try something that I'm not sure if it works yet, and then it doesn't do well, and I'm like, ah, oh, it probably is not a good joke. It's like, well, how the fuck do you know? There's, they weren't laughing at your good stuff either. Yeah, exactly. So y- you have to take a risk and just throw it in there. I, I like to pepper it in when there's a good crowd. I'll you know do good stuff. See, okay, they're on my side. They they can handle crazy shit like what I'm yeah. talking about right now. Throw one in there. Oh, okay, that was too far, or that was, you know, and then you you kind of gauge it. Okay, that <laughs> wasn't funny. There's no punchline here. There's no this. There's no I, that. I never I never considered using shows to gauge whether like my music was good or not. I you I for me it was all like if we didn't play well, it wasn't because the songs were. You uh, felt it. Uh, it's not that the songs are bad. It's just that we played. Well, badly, we could, right? I could feel it too. Like I know when yeah. I'm off. Like I'll tell right. him. Yeah, yeah, and I have mm-hmm. felt that before. But you start seeing it's it's, it's weird with shows. There could be 50, 60, 100 people there, but if they don't know who you are, they won't. There won't necessarily be a crowd in front of you. There'll be like a half fucking circle, right, of people and like wallflowers. They won't move a, an inch unless <sighs> someone else already goes forward. Yeah, forward. yeah, yeah. But once you do have those people at your front of the stage, then you have someone who's like fucking going with the hand in the air. The whole crowd gets. You need going. your fans. You need that fucking crowd. Yeah. If it's three people, no matter how good of a band you are, they're not gonna be losing their minds because it's not normal for three people to be fucking trying to mosh pit each other in an empty room. It's yeah, and they feel that. weird. Like, yeah. wait, why isn't everybody else? It's the same thing with comedy. If, yeah. If they don't know, if they're not ready to laugh yet, and then you drop a bomb, you drop something good, but. Ha, one laugh, and then people are like, wait, is that a pity laugh? Is that a... Comedy's weird, too, like that, too. The crowd needs to be comfortable. That's why you need a nice, tight room, uh, low ceilings, dark. People don't want it to be too bright. They don't want you to know... They don't want to know that you can see them, because I guess subject matter or just... People are embarrassed to laugh. I don't know what it is. But I've noticed that when the ceilings are low, so the laughs stay in, and it's dark. So when you look next to the person, you can't see them too clearly. Yeah that's when you get the best reaction when they all feel alone and comfortable to laugh when it's too bright like sometimes you'll get you'll do shows and be like yeah i have a good venue and you go into a fucking gym basically <laughs> like what is this what is it? like are, are we selling raffle tickets no, like- it's the same thing for, for for bands too like think about it imagine that you go to a show you go to the bell center you go to piranha you go to catacombs or any of the other venues that you would go to even uh, uh, the comedy nest yeah. it's all dark it's always dark now imagine that same band in a gym like even just a picture fucking van halen in a Wide, wide open, bright yeah. fucking gym. It's not the same show. You need 
a spotlight. Yeah. Right? You need that spotlight to kind of like, here's where the attention's going. Mm. Um, yeah. And um, and you feel like there's no one around you because it's dark, so you feel like this is for me. Yeah. The second you feel like, oh, yeah, I'm at, I'm at a picnic and this guy's singing, it gets weird. It gets yeah. it gets very and weird. It, it very much is a psychological thing because uh, even with bands, there's this thing called ego risers where we, it's just literally like a fucking box on top of the stage where you stand up to get a little higher that it thing, helps oh it definitely helps and they're called eagle risers big uh my friend i'm pretty sure my friend dave and paul they coined it when they were touring because they didn't hear it before and then suddenly it's everywhere they would have these boxes to stand on and do a solo or something like that and then they'd get off and join the rest of the band but that thing really elevates literally anybody so maybe in comedy get a fucking eagle riser get like a step stool. oh no i'm like, good. You good all you need to do is give me the second i grab the mic i'm in my zone um now it's different but back in the day obviously if it was a shit crowd whatever it would affect me now it doesn't now i'll do yeah, my yeah. like i i know how to navigate because some nights you're the one who's off you know of course so then i'll try to power through that but i'll i've never even when i was an open micer i never didn't do my time I never bombed and said, okay, I can't. I've seen people where, because they're bombing, they're like, I'm just going to get off. They have to do five or seven minutes, let's say, and then they'll get off at two. I've never done that. I've always, you know, I've took it like, um, uh, again, like a promise, but I always treated it, especially after when I started getting paid. Like after the first year when I started to get paid gigs, I treated it like a job. Yeah. So how long you want me to do? 15 minutes? All right, I'm going to do 15 minutes. And if it's not going well, sometimes some people book me for shows when I first started. It was not the right show for me. Like I was way too offensive for to do specific shows. But I'd be like, how much did they pay for? You want me to do X amount of time? I'm doing it. I would never huh, panic. I'd be like, well, I got another fucking 10 minutes, so I'm going to keep doing it. So I would do it. I would always commit to that. How did you deal with like if a crowd, if you bombed? Because like when in my experience, I never, there, there's no real bombing with a band. You're like, you have to yeah. be a real Shit bad. Like, yeah. like not even playing well together for like someone to say boo. And at that point, even if someone were to say boo, I'd be like, you, they're right let me just get off they yeah don't, clearly don't want to see us play so i've never had that experience if i there's a there's been nights where i played where the crowd just was dead oh i bombed yeah but like it's not I, i'm not really affected like it sucks to see like fuck you guys man we're playing great here i know we're playing great and you're just standing there like assholes um but sometimes like i said sometimes it's just the it's not the right crowd it's not their type of humor or like that hasn't happened in a while but i've had situations where it was just there was no winning both for myself and the crowd and it was just bomb like heavy duty bond sometimes like why am i here and i'll put the extra you know i'll put into the next gear i'll try but there's no winning sometimes and it's just how you handle it is you know you kind of brush it off like obviously it bothers you uh, i don't know if it's the ego or like i'm sure the ego plays a role but also it just bugs you because you're like fuck you want to do well your intention was to do well you wanted them to laugh and you didn't do it so then i just always go back to the drawing board like, okay next show so that used to work for me um to bring me down if i had a good show so if i had a good a good good couple of shows, I knew that a shit show was coming. I knew it. I go, it's impossible. There's going to be a shit show. And then when it would hit, there was relief after. Because yeah. I'd be like, all right, good. I'm glad it happened here because I have a big show uh, in three days. And then the other show would go better because you'd just be a little sharper. You know, everything would be a little tweaked because you don't want the same kind of lull you had last time. Yeah, yeah, so it yeah, always yeah. helped. But for me, it was always impending doing my head. If I had too many good shows, I'd be like, oh, you know it's coming, motherfucker. Well, you know it's coming. How do you practice coming. that? Do you, do you like go in a mirror or do you, do you practice stand up or the yeah, feeling the stand up no i like for me it's weird cuz i don't have a people think it's a character but it's not a character it's just me with the volume yeah, yeah, up yeah. when i'm on stage so it's just stuff in i'll go through in my head stuff that i find funny or stories that happened and then it, it's just a game of trying to tell the story without revealing the punchline so you script it in your head but you don't you don't really practice it to see if it flows exactly okay. i only practice it 
on stage. Okay. So I'll go do stand up, and then uh, I'll do an open mic or I'll jump on. A, somebody will give me a spot, and I'll I'll, tr- I'll throw in one of the new jokes and I'll try to work it out there. And then sometimes I'll ask, let's say Poseidon or someone close to me, I'll be like, I was thinking about this, this and this happened. What do you think if I would go about this way, this way? And then they'll tell me, okay, I find this funny. I don't find this funny. And sometimes I'll listen. Sometimes I won't, but all the criticism, all the feedback helps because like he, he sees me do stand up all the time. So yeah. he knows my style, my cadence. So he'll be able to, Oh yeah, this is good. And then he'll tell me, you know what this will work? Say this after this joke, try it there. And then I'll be like, all right, let me try that. Oh, shit. So yeah. You, so then I'll try that. I'm like, oh, fuck, it works. It doesn't work well there. Or it does work well there. Or it's better here. And there's, dude, this is, I was trying for the longest time. There was a whole joke I had about when I adopted my dog. And I couldn't make it funny. I couldn't make it funny. And I knew it was a funny story. It was a real story. It was a funny story. But it was, I, for some reason, even though all the elements were there, I couldn't get that joke to work. <laughs> right know. before COVID happened, where I was... This joke was the best thing that I was using. I had turned it into an amazing fucking joke, and now everything shut down again. But I had even done it in French once. I even did it in mm-hmm. fucking French mm-hmm. once, and it worked. I had fucking fixed it to the point where now it works. Now it makes sense. Yeah, because you know? there's always something like execute. I, I, I've always said like with music, because it's the you know one thing that I know I can I can explain very well. But there's no bad music. There's just bad execution. Yes, uh, and I think that a lot of people miss that. But to know that this isn't this is what I have here isn't bad. Like you said, I know it's funny. It's just not coming out the way that I want it to. Well, some stuff isn't funny, and you yeah, have to yeah. learn it the hard way. But this, like I, I, I was like, man. I my shirt up today. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, what's funny about that? But everything about this was funny. Like, all the elements were there. I was like, why isn't it fucking working? And it's me. It's not like it's some open micer saying it. It was also me. I was like, I can't. I'll do it in the beginning. I'll do it at the end. I'll have the crowd really hot. They're laughing at everything. And then I'll throw this joke in there, and it won't work. So I was like, motherfucker, I got to figure this out. But I... Normally, you'll stop after a while. Like, look, it's not funny. It doesn't work. Stop it. For some reason, this was one of those jokes where I was like, I, for months, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to figure a way. I'm going to figure a way. I'm going to figure a way. And then finally, it's crazy because it took that break with COVID. And then now when we came back, I finally tweaked it. It worked. Mm. And then everything shut down. So did, what you did was you took time away from the joke and let, just let it sit. That's what helped. Yeah. Because I hadn't said it. Me. So then when I first said it on stage again, I said it a little differently. Yeah, because yeah, I don't yeah. remember how the fuck I like. I don't remember how I said it. They're, they're all all I talk about on stage is stories. I don't have one liners. So there's stories like how we talk about you know going to New York, or whatever. There's stories. So I never say it exactly the same. I'm just recounting what happened. Okay. And then for some reason I said it differently, and then that worked. I was like, oh shit, I should start here. This works the way I'm bringing it in. This is working different. And then the next day I would go up and I would try it a different way. I go, oh fuck, this part. Oh, I need this. I need this. And then it just. It just yeah. comes together. Yeah. I think that's the mark of someone who has a craftsmanship, you know? That's the craftsman part of, of, I guess, creating. Oh, yeah. It's built in my head. It's like I'm chiseling something. Yeah. Like it's it's building. It, same thing that I, I think about when writing a song. It's like, it's almost there, but I need to, there's something that I'm missing here, or this needs to be fleshed out a little bit more. So I know exactly what you're doing. We're chipping away at fucking stone to, you know, or diamond, whatever you want to use. But I don't, the only uh, unhealthy thing is that I never feel like it's done. Yeah. Like I never, even though people are like I love, oh that's a I love hearing that joke. This is a good joke. Every time you say it, like this is like a perfect joke. I never feel like it's perfect, no, and I don't mean the set. I mean each joke. I always feel like yeah, I said it. This is the best I've ever said it. Let's say for example, this yeah. joke X. But I don't feel like the joke is at its best, which is unhealthy because you need a satisfaction. You need to be like job well done. You have completed this body of work. 
Congratulations. The fact that I don't is super unhealthy, which is why I was forcing myself. I was going to record an hour. I was going to do uh, uh, an album, uh, a special. One hour, and it was going to happen now in October, but everything shut down. Yeah. So I could take all that stuff. It's recorded. It's online. It's everywhere. I can't do it whether I like it or not. It's officially done. This is as perfect as you're going to get because now I can't use it anywhere because people already know the jokes. It's online. That's it. So I was forcing myself out of them. And then this whole thing happened. So now it gives me more time. But the new hour, I guess, it's going gonna, gonna to be a bit better because it's going to have some of the old stuff, some new stuff. But that's what, the, the only reason why I'm doing it is to force myself. To finish. To finish because, like, well, you have no choice now. Well, that's uh, the same, same thing. It, I, I think with anything artistic, it's the same thing. And one of the things I've, I've heard when I was younger was, I think it was like 15 or 16 when I heard the saying, it's not done until you throw it away. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen that before. Like e even when a song is tracked and out there in the world, we're gonna, I'm going to play it basically the same way, but I'll always add something in there and you know, like make it a little different. And even I noticed this with the, you know, whoever mixed the song, if he's listening to it, all right, the mix is done. You have to, you have to, you, they have to say like, it's done now. I can't fucking tweak this anymore or else I'm going to be here forever. They give it to you, and then we go listen back to it, and they're still tweaking it. Like, they're never going to be done until yeah, yeah. it says, I'm done with, um, the song is shit, I'm throwing it away. Which is crazy, but you know what? Maybe that's why a lot of good music, comes, a lot of good comedy comes out because of people like that who just, like, I could do a bit. Just a little bit more, yeah. But you also have to know where the line is, right? Like, it, 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 you can you can overproduce something. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. So, and it's, a, it's you see that with a lot of... A lot of art it's overproduced it feels like there's too much here you're, you're you've added too much to try to make your point take it away leave a yeah. little bit of mystery there make, make it a little shit you know no but make it a little shit the yeah. little grunginess yeah give it I a like little it. bit of dirt you know like it's mm. lived in it needs know? some grime yeah just mm. a little yeah. how do like, you feel about that you know here initially they were saying for the back like one of the guys that was helping me build this place he's like oh you know it's too personalized you have too much of your stuff out there it should be more like just basic and i was like no I go, I want it to look lived in. I want it to look comfortable because yeah. it's a reflection of me. Mm. You got to have some personality yeah. or yeah. else fucking every podcast is going to do the fucking same shit. Yeah, no, oh. I want it to look like me. It's like I want it to reflect um, just fun stuff that's happened to me or just anything, stuff I like, like my soccer team behind me. Oh, that's like, what that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I want things like that and I want to personalize it. I, like I thought it. it was an MMA match. That, everybody on, thinks, yeah. everybody thinks like, that there's uh, a fight. Uh, like you well, were, well, that, that's a, a lot about our stadiums, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would love, I would absolutely fucking adore to hear a story about where you got into a huge scrap and there's like a photo on it. Yeah, that would have been hilarious. There's a fence separating me from the other guy. Like, come here, like, motherfucker. I'm, uh, I'm going to take you out. I would love to hear that story. Well, next time you come on, uh, you're going to bring your boy Julian. Oh, definitely. So next time you come on is going to be when the album is dropping okay and you're gonna come you're gonna promote the fuck out of it excellent and we're gonna push it like drug dealers oh push man push it into the home i wish i can offer anything in return because I, my push is probably not what it won't it probably won't oh it doesn't me. matter uh, what do you mean your push is you know what your push is release the album because i want to fucking hear it that's all my, right you got it you'll get first you'll get first listen yes to i would like to be the the judge you will be the this. judge i always i was always uh i know, I know we're ending it here but I always send whenever something is done to you. I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, you, well, were, you were like a legit fan. Oh, I am 100%. Me, right? No, no, 100%. I love it. Um, or else, yeah, you wouldn't be here in general. But we well, get a, we were we were, we were, bros we were friends before. Right? But I mean, you I would tell you. It, yeah. But I could tell you because I know you. I could tell you, bro, this isn't good. You know? But for me, it was the opposite. I was like, uh, that's why I was so excited. When everything was coming, I was like, oh, fuck, there's an album dropping. And then I remember the date was on. I was like, oh, this day. And I was like, I can't see an album. I just see the track. I can't see the album. Yeah. And then I was refreshing. I go, do I need a VPN? These motherfuckers. Are they making <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> I love but, it. But yeah, there was no album. Well, I knew it because with uh, a Snakeskin, you had the album. And you didn't yeah. really come to me saying this is great. So when you came to me unprompted saying, 
yo, I really like what you're doing. And this is great. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. This has nothing to do with it. Me. No, no, no. no. Me, so I, I was it, it. I hadn't felt that way. Like even snakeskin, like there was stuff that I liked, stuff that I didn't. But I never felt like, oh, fuck, let's uh, let me share this. This is big. But this okay, with man. all the orchid stuff, I really liked. Appreciate it, man. Because it feels like you guys. Too. It feels um, organic. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel, I don't know, it's hard to say. But like I have other friends in bands and they're making music and they kind of sound similar to other people in their field on purpose. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. Like I it's hard for exactly me to say this without insulting them because they're guys that I like a lot. They're tracing the trend. It sounds just like I wouldn't be able to tell it apart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas with you guys' stuff, it's like I feel that it's, this is what I want to do. And then me, that's what kind of, also it's catchy. I like it. It's good. It's not just because it's different. Like there's a lot, like I don't like a, a Norwegian black metal. It's yeah, fucking no. different, but it's not for me. But, but there's just something to it. I'm like, okay, they're being themselves. They're not playing for anyone else. Uh, it's good. It's catchy. It's This is clearly something that could catch on mainstream. So it's not something weird that I like, like Mongolian throat music. This is actual fun music to listen to. So that's why I like it. That's why I wanted to push it and I wanted to get it. I fucking really appreciate it, man. It really means a lot. And uh, that's exactly what it was. Um, we wanted to write music that was fun, catchy, and the, it's a fine line between being different and being good. Um, because a lot of people, a lot of bands are chasing the trend and we're struggling to figure out who we sound like. And while it's important to sound like somebody a little bit so that you can explain it, I'm glad that I'm having a hard time this time. That's better that you have a hard time. Yeah. Justin Vin of Orchid. Links are in the description. Stream it. Send uh, these songs to your friends. Let them know that you like it. And you'll be the first to be subscribed to know when the album drops. 100%. Thank you for having me, you guys. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, it's always a fun time. And uh, I can't wait to come back. Oh, you're going to be back. Thank you.